0: You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. So tonight, like I said, we're continuing a series that we have been in for a little over a month now. Uh, It's on the topic of faith. But we're, we're doing this, we're answering this by looking at the title of this series, which is called Same God. Somebody say Same God. Same God. Come on, if you're, if you're excited about this series, say Same God. Same God. There we go, that sounded so much better. So tonight, uh, we're gonna be kicking off this message uh, in the passage that we started this series off in Hebrews chapter 13. So if you've got a Bible with you, your notes, get your phone out, whatever you need to do to follow along with me, um, if you're a spiritual thug in the house, you've got your Being Transformed journal. Any, any, any spiritual thugs in the house? I see one. I see two. Okay. Okay. So get out, get out whatever you need to posture yourself in the place for you to hear God tonight. Uh, whatever that looks like, I want to encourage you to do it because this is holy ground right now that we're sitting in. This is holy ground. The Bible says, Jesus actually says that where two or more are gathered in my name I am there in their midst. So you know what that means? That means that the king is in the room. The spirit of Jesus is here. This is holy ground. This is a holy atmosphere. How are you going to honor it? How are you going to posture yourself in a way where you don't leave this room without something that the king deposited in your heart tonight? Amen? Amen. Who wants something from that, from the king? Come on. Okay. So if you're just now joining with us, maybe you missed a week or two of this series. I want to quickly recap what we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks. Our, our whole goal uh, during the collection of these messages is to do one thing. We want our faith to grow. Somebody say grow. grow. We want our faith to grow. Uh, how many of you in this room would agree with this statement? I could use some more faith. Do you agree with that statement? I could use some more faith. I, I could, I could, yeah, I could use a little more faith in my life. I could see some stronger faith. I mean, I wouldn't mind taking a little bit more faith. You know, it's kind of like if I were to ask you the question, um, and maybe you would agree with me with this statement. I could use a little more money in my bank account. Does anybody agree with that statement? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know a single person who is like, nah, I'm good. I don't need more money. <laughs> I'm kind of good. I, my, I think my bank account's good. I just like where it's at. I think I'll stay there for a couple years. Have you ever known somebody like that? I've never known somebody that's content to just be like, nah, I'm cool with my bank account staying the way it is for the next couple of years. No, I think we could all use some more money in our bank account. Amen? Amen. I know I could. But, um, you know, unlike money, you know, there are some really practical things uh, that we can do to grow our bank account. In fact, if I were to come up here tonight and tell you, I've got three easy steps for you to grow your bank account. Now, you might be a little skeptical, but you would at least sit in on my TED Talk for a second just to see if I gave you something legit, right? In the same way, if I were to say, here are three easy steps for you to grow your faith, how many of you would say, okay, I'm I'm listening. I want to hear about how I can grow my faith. Um, But the thing about faith, though, is the way we grow faith is a little bit different than the way we can grow our bank account. Because you can do some pretty practical things doesn't really matter who you are. doesn't really matter how much money you're starting off with. You can have little to no talent, but if you do certain things, you can grow your bank account. Like if you work harder, pick up some extra shifts at work. Maybe if you're kind of risky and you decide you want to invest into a business of some kind, you can try and make money that way. Maybe you want to buy some Dogecoin. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm not into Bitcoin, but maybe you are. I don't know. There's a lot of different things you can do practically to grow your bank account um, by like trying harder and working harder and willing yourself to do it. It might take some work, but it's very possible. But this is where faith is different for us because the way that we grow faith, if we want stronger faith, if we want more faith, if we wanna see greater faith in God, the way we grow that is different than wealth. You don't grow it by working harder. You don't grow your faith by striving or clenching your fists and squeezing really hard and being like, faith, faith. That's not how you grow faith. Uh, But that would look really funny if you did that. But don't try it. You're just gonna look funny. Uh, That's not how we grow our faith. Faith is grown differently. Uh, So how do we grow faith? Well, we've covered a ton of topics so far in this series, and I wanted to just quickly recap those. The first week, we hit two specific topics. The first thing we did was we looked at the fact that faith is not something that is just Christian. Like faith is not for spiritual people. Every single person, whether you're a Christian, yeah. whether you're an agnostic, whether you're an atheist, every single person has been given a measure of faith. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah. Scripture tells us in Romans 12:2 that every man or lady, hello ladies, every man has been given a measure of faith inside of their heart. Everybody. And what happens with that faith is we have the ability to grow that faith, but it only grows when you point it in something specific. You have to grow it by pointing it into something specific. Now, we tend, as humans, to point our faith in the direction of things that we think are consistent. So, for instance, like, how many of you guys have faith in chairs that they're going to hold you up, right? Like, you're not skeptical about a chair holding you up, right? That's because... It's consistent. Like, for the most part, unless you got unlucky and you got on a bad chair, you've had some pretty good luck with chairs. They're consistent, so you have your faith in them. But unlike chairs, uh, there's actually only one thing, only one person in the universe who's never going to change on you, never going to eventually fail you, and that's Jesus, right? Yeah. Because Scripture says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the only way we can grow our faith is by putting our faith that seed of faith in Jesus, the only thing who never changes, right? Right. right? right? The second thing that we looked at in week one was that we're called to walk in the same mind. Somebody say same mind. same mind. What does that mean? That means to have the mind of Christ. So that means that we're called to aggressively attack any lie, any thought that tries to come in our mind that does not line up with how Christ's mind looks, right? And in fact, we gave you guys some homework for that week. And I'm curious if anybody did the homework. I asked you guys to find five smooth stones. Do you remember this? David, when he went to the brook and got stones, five smooth stones to kill Goliath, in the same way, I challenged all of us to grab five scriptures to hide in our heart so that when lies come into our mind, we could throw them right at the lie and take it out. Did anybody get their five smooth stones? Anybody in the house? Ooh, okay. Y'all don't like listening to your pastor. We need to work on that. I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. I've got homework for you, though, ready? Find your five smooth stones, okay? I want you to find your five smooth stones. Okay, the next week, week number two. Somebody say week number two. We looked at this thing where we talked about the same spirit. The fact that the same spirit who fell on the people during Pentecost in the upper room and gave them a spiritual language to pray in, is the same Spirit who wants to empower us through a prayer language to pray perfect prayers, to build ourselves up, to pray continually, and to pray united as a church. So we talked about the same Spirit, praying in the Spirit. And last week, we had a treat. We got to hear from my boy, Pastor Eman. Make some noise for Pastor (laughs) Eman. Pastor Eman preached an incredible word on... The Bible. He was trying to get us to have some fresh eyes because the Bible is the same word. Somebody say, same word. word. It's the same word. You know, sometimes we look at the Bible as just a book. We think that the Bible is like a Christian's textbook, (laughs) and you've got homework in this textbook every day, and you should read it so you don't fail a quiz. No, no, no. That's not what the Bible is, it's not a textbook. Pastor Eman helped us to see that every time we step into the God's word, we're choosing to receive from the same word that God used to breathe everything that we see, everything we experience into existence. How cool is that? Yeah. That's some fresh perspective on God's word. Every time you step into God's word is an opportunity for you to hear from God's voice and to spend time with Jesus. It was an incredible message, and you know it's a Pastor Eman message when he finds a way to slide some anime in the message. You know what I'm saying? I was listening to that, and I was like, I knew he would do it. But it was a good word, and if you've missed that message or if you've missed any of the messages, in fact, I don't know if you know this, but the last two years of messages are all on our podcast. Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And you can listen to them. Go to New, or You search New Song Students OKC anywhere you listen to podcasts, and you can find two years' worth of messages. Somebody say, That's crazy. So, go back and listen to it if you've missed it. But I've got a word for us tonight, week number four. I almost said week number three. Somebody say, week four. I'm ready. Are y'all ready? Let's, go. Let's get into the word. So, this has been, uh, I was talking with Eamon about this yesterday. This has been an interesting series for me <laughs> as far as like prepping and message writing and getting ready because. Uh, some some series are different. Like some messages and series are really cut and dry and like the direction is very plain. Like for instance, do you guys remember a couple months ago when we did an entire series on the book of Colossians? Yeah. I remember that series. That was a very clear cut and dry series because I was like, okay, what am I gonna preach on? The book of Colossians, right? <laughs> but some series are not as black and white as that. And um, so sometimes kind of like in this series, I show up into my office on Monday morning. I have this terrifying but also really exciting thought in my mind, and I'm thinking, God, what do you want me to preach on this week? (laughs) That's how this series has been going, but he's so faithful, and every time he gives me the direction I need. And so this Monday, I came into my office, and I was like, all right, God, I have a lot of ideas, a lot of directions, but what do you want me to speak on? And I felt the Holy Spirit so sweetly just bring me back To Hebrews chapter 13. This is where we started the series. So I went back to Hebrews 13. I read it slow. How many of you know it's good to read the Bible slow? I read it slow and something stuck out to me that I didn't see. And this is what we're going to talk about tonight. So we're going to read Hebrews chapter 13 again, but we're going to read all of one through eight. I'm only preaching on seven, but I think it's all good, right? We love God's word here. So would you follow along with me? Here's what it says. It says, let brotherly love continue Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Remember those who are in prison as though you are in prison with them and let those who are mistreated and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money Who heard Pastor Josh's message this past weekend? He preached on that. It was fire. You need to go back and listen to it. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, this is an amazing promise right here. If you've got your Bible with you, you need to underline this part. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Somebody say That's That's good. So because God tells us that, I love this. We can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear, what can man do for me? Yeah. Just a heads up, if you, don't have a, if you don't have your five smooth stones, that's one of them right there for you. That's a freebie right there. The Lord is my helper, I will not fear, what can man do for me? Somebody, you need to take that as your stone. Verse number seven, though, here's the message tonight. Are you ready for this? Let's go. Verse seven, remember your leaders... Those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Imitate their faith. Jesus Christ, here's the the main uh, passage for our series. Jesus Christ is the same, read this with me, yesterday and today and forever. Okay, I love this passage, so good. Chocked full of some amazing, amazing scriptures. But as I was reading this on Monday, Like I said, verse seven stuck out to me. What does verse seven say? It says, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So if you've got a Bible with you, you need to circle that, imitate their faith. Write that down if you're taking notes, imitate their faith. And if you're taking notes, the title of the message is Same Faith. We're talking about same faith tonight. In this passage, the author of Hebrews, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, actually. That's a fun fact. It could have been Paul. could have been somebody else. I think it was Paul. But the author of Hebrews is encouraging us as followers of Jesus to imitate their faith. Yeah. Who's they? Who's their faith? We're, we're supposed to consider their way of life and strive to have that same faith that, hey, that they have. But this raises two very important questions for us. Who are they? Yeah. <laughs> And what is their faith like? You following me? Who are they and what is their faith like? Here's what we do know though. We know that as followers of Jesus, any followers of Jesus in the house, as disciples, we are called to have a certain type of faith. Did you know that? You're called to not just walk by faith, like just blind faith. No, you're called to have a certain specific type of faith that you walk in. And according to this passage, we're actually called to be influenced by a certain type of person, a certain type of person with a certain type of faith. The reason why we're called to do this is because we're human beings and we are very easily influenced. Did you know that? We are very easily influenced. Whether you like it or not, whether you think you're being influenced or not, whether you think you're the most original OG gangster or not, guess what? you are being influenced by somebody. We all are being influenced by somebody, and that's because of this. It says, consider the outcome of of their way of life. That word consider in the Greek means to look attentively or to observe accurately. If you heard Pastor Pastor Sarah's message in Dying Words, where she talked about that word behold, do you remember that? That word behold is not just like a glance, it's not just passing by and looking. Behold, it means to stare, and it means to study and to observe. That's the same word used here for to, when it says to consider their way of life. It means whatever you stare at, for lack of a better term, whatever you focus on, whatever you put in front of your eyes, you are going to be influenced by. Did you know that? Yeah. You are going to eventually imitate that. And so everybody in this room, like I said, we are being influenced by the people that we are considering. And we usually consider people who we think have something that we don't have. Maybe they have a coolness that we don't have. They've got clothes that we don't have. They've got a style or a music or or wisdom that we don't have. And so what do we do? We consider them, we focus on them, and we start to imitate them, and it rubs off on us. In fact, I guarantee you, you've probably done this before, you could look at probably anybody's Instagram feed for just a couple seconds, look at the bio they have under their name, look at the pictures they post or the music they listen to, and just by looking at those few things, you could probably tell who is influencing them, right? Right? Just by looking at, the things that they're into, it's pretty easy to tell. Okay, I think they probably, this, this girl probably listens to Billie Eilish because of the way she dresses. And this guy probably watches NFL all the time because he's posting all these football picks. Like, we, we can see pretty quickly who they are being influenced by, by what they consider. Are you following me? Yeah. I relate to this because <laughs> when I was in Bible college, uh, me and my best friends, me and my roommates that I went to school with, we we thought we were the coolest dudes in our Bible college. Like, not even joking, we were so prideful <laughs> and we were so arrogant and we thought we were the coolest dudes on campus. You know why? Because we were the edgy Christians, okay? <laughs> every, every church you go to, every Bible college, maybe some of you guys are gonna go to Bible college one day, there's the, there's the edgy Christians at that church. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I was one. I thought I was the edgy dude at my Bible college. So what do I? What am I talking about? Well, my friends and I, my roommates and I, we were super into hardcore music, punk rock, metal. I still am. Still am. If you work out with me, you'll you'll find out very quickly. My style of music is kind of abrasive. But uh, so we're the hardcore kids in our Bible college, and, and we think that we are the coolest dudes on the block. We show up. To morning chapel, and everybody's got their button-ups, and they look all nice and pretty, and we show up with, like, our hardcore band t-shirts, and we think we're so tough, and some of my roommates had these really tough-looking tattoos, but we're Christians, and, like, like we, we thought we were super edgy, and uh, the funny thing is we thought we were so original, like, And, you know, in the context of of our Bible college, yeah, we were a little bit different than some of the kids that we went to school with. And we thought like, oh, we're not influenced by anybody. We're not part of the mainstream. You know what I'm talking about? We thought we were so hipster. We thought we were so original. But let me tell you, if you were to follow us to a hardcore show that we would go to in downtown Dallas, guess what? You would find a group of guys that all looked exactly the same. (laughs) Like, we all had the same hardcore band t-shirts. All the guys had the same looking tattoos. We all looked exactly the same. Why? Because we're all considering the same things. We're all focusing on the same people, the same dudes, and they're rubbing off on us. And so we all look the same because all of us are easily influenced. You know, this is why something called influencer marketing is so Popular today. Have you ever heard of influencer marketing before? Yeah. Does everybody know what an influencer is? Just a maybe you don't. An influencer is basically like a YouTuber or an Instagram person or a gamer, somebody who's got like a fairly large following. And now, today, this is crazy. Companies, they're not going to like companies used to go to celebrities yeah. to try and get people to buy their products. They're not going to celebrities anymore. They're going to influencers because people follow influencers. I've actually got a couple stats for you about this. This is interesting. 70% of teens trust influencers more than traditional celebrities. Does that ring a bell for anybody in the room? You guys trust influencers more than celebrities? I think I do, honestly. 86% of women, we're gonna put the women under the bus for a second, 86% of women use social media for purchasing advice. Any ladies in the house do this? You buy stuff because you saw it on Instagram? I do that too, I'm not even gonna lie. 82% 82% of people trust social media networks to guide purchasing decisions. Anybody, does anybody? I do this, I literally do this. I buy things because I saw it on Instagram. I think we all do this, you know why? It's because companies know that you and I, we are easily influenced. Are you following me? Yep. Say, I'm easily influenced. I'm easily influenced. And guess what, this is okay. God knows that we're easily influenced. And because God already knows that you and I are easily influenced because of what we focus on and what we look at, the author of Hebrews tells us, that's okay. All you gotta do is look at the right person with the right faith and imitate them. You following me? Yeah. Just look at the right person with the right faith and imitate them. But I think there are two problems that, that we face uh, with this, uh, this kind of culture that we find ourselves in When I'm talking about being influenced by faith specifically. A couple weeks ago, I talked about this thing called cultural Christianity. Do you remember that? I mentioned this thing about cultural Christianity. What in the world is cultural Christianity? Well, we live in the South. We live in Oklahoma. And if you tell somebody you go to church, nobody's going to be like, really? That is so weird. Because how many of you know most people in Oklahoma have probably been to church before this week, right? Because we live in a cultural Christianity context. It's not weird for people to go to church, but sometimes if we're not careful, it can turn to a cultural Christianity in our heart. And what does that look like? It looks like doing all of the Christian things, but there's no heart behind it. It looks like picking up your love for God on Sunday when you go to church and then dropping your love for God off at the door when you go home for your week. It looks like, Cultural Christianity looks like picking up your Bible, not because you want to read it, but because you feel bad if you don't, because you think you're going to be a bad Christian. It's not because you know it's God's word. It's because it's there's a religious reason behind it. Cultural Christianity, uh, it looks like being a big fan of Jesus, but not stepping into discipleship, which discipleship is where Jesus can start to cut things out of your life, or he can start to challenge you to do things you didn't think were in you, this is what cultural Christianity doesn't do. It stays in the comfort of its own home. Are you following me? Does this make sense? Yeah. This is cultural Christianity. And how did we get into this place of cultural Christianity where we have so many fans of Jesus, but we don't have a ton of people that I believe are living the fullness of God? This amazing life of being a disciple and being used by God and bringing the kingdom down into our world. How come we don't see that? Well, I think the first thing is that we don't have... Or we don't think we have anybody that we can be influenced by. We don't think we have anybody in the faith that we can be influenced by. Because I think that cultural Christians think that if I really fall in love for Jesus, if I really become a Jesus freak, that I'm going to turn into this. I've got a picture for you. Look at this. Check this out. Does anybody know? This is for you, Carter. Okay, if nobody knows who this is, this is Ned Flanders. Somebody say, hi, Ned. Hi, Ned. This is Ned Flanders. He's from the show The Simpsons. And if you don't know Ned, Ned is a character in The Simpsons show, and he is hes this dad. He's sort of dorky. He's very nice. Couldn't hurt a fly. But he's also depicted in the show as being a Christian. So he's a Christian. And, you know, I'm sure Ned is a great guy in person. Like, I'm sure if you meet him, he's a really nice guy. But when I think of Ned, I'm not necessarily thinking of, like, this powerful Christian filled with the Spirit of God, praying for the sick, bringing the kingdom of God into the world. Like, that's not what I picture when I see Ned, right? And I think what cultural Christians believe is that if I give give my life to Jesus, if I really dig in and start to become a follower of Jesus— then I'm going to become this stale, boring, <laughs> fun-sucking Christian that has a boring life. Come on, come on. But can I tell you that living a life with God is the best life you could possibly live. Yeah. Like nothing in the world compares to following and practicing in the way of Jesus. Nothing compares. This is not the life God's called you to. Yeah. I love you, Ned, but God has not called you to be a Ned Flanders. God's called you to be a Paul. Yeah. Are you hearing me? God's called you to be a Peter. Peter preaching the gospel in opposition. This is the life we're called to, but we have to find those kind of people to be influenced by. But look at this. Verse seven, I wanna go back to it. It says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God and consider their outcome, their way of life and imitate their faith. Okay, so if you're taking notes, I'm gonna define a Greek word for you, okay? That word faith is the Greek word pistis, okay? And it means more than just a belief, That word faith is not talking about what you believe in your mind, like what you know. It's not the assurance of things unseen. It actually goes deeper into your walk with Jesus. Your faith is your relationship with God. That's what this is talking about. It's talking about your faith with God. And so we're not just called to find like pastors to follow and listen to so we can believe the right things in our head. We're called to find people to imitate who are not just walking the walk or not just talking the talk but they're doing the harder part of faith which is walking out what they actually say they believe yeah. this is what we're called to do and so new song students we've got to find who these people are who these kind of faith influencers are and what their kind of faith looks like because here's here's the reality we live in a faith epidemic in our world today i don't know if you know this But statistics say that over 1 million young people, you guys, over 1 million young people are leaving the faith every single year. We've got people leaving the church, stepping away from their walk with God. And there's a lot of reasons why I think that's happening. But one of them is I think that they think that that being a Christian is boring. (laughs) People think that a faith walk with Jesus is boring. But can I tell you, that being a disciple of Jesus is not easy, but it is the best life that you could possibly live. It's the most powerful life that you could possibly live. It's the most adventurous, the most fulfilling, the most fruitful life you could possibly live is lived with Jesus Christ. That's the life that's available to you. You're called to be an influencer for the kingdom of God. People should see the way you walk with Jesus and they should be influenced by you. They should see you and they should say, man, you have got something that I didn't even know I could experience in this life. You're walking with a peace. How are you walking with that peace with all the craziness going on in the world? How are you walking with that joy when you, just, when you were just wronged by your best friend? How are you doing that? How can I have what you have? That's what we're called to do. And so I've got a challenge for you, New Song students. If you're bored with your faith tonight, well, number one, I think God wants to resurrect that tonight. But if you're bored with your faith, if you think that walking with Jesus is boring, I'm here to tell you God has so much more for your faith walking. In fact, one of my favorite pastors to listen to, John Tyson, he says it like this. this, is, this is, if you want to write this down, this is a great quote. It's kind of raw, but he says, if you're bored with your faith, I promise God is bored with your faith too. <laughs> if you're bored with your faith, if you think your walk with Jesus is boring, guess what? Jesus thinks it's boring too. <laughs> Because you know what Jesus is saying? I'm the God of the universe. Yeah. I didn't tell you to settle there. You chose to settle there. I have so much more for you if you would just step out in it. Are you following me? Yeah. Who wants more of that? Yeah. Come on, I want more of that for you. So how are we gonna do this? How are we gonna see our faith grown? Well, like I said, we've gotta find the right people. We've gotta imitate their faith. Um, so how do we do that? <laughs> Well, it's easier said than done. But thankfully, the author of Hebrews was an absolute genius. It's almost like the Holy Spirit authored the book of the Bible. Uh, But two chapters right before we just read chapter 13, we actually have this entire chapter. It's known as the Hall of Faith chapter. And Hebrews 11 goes through every single, not every single, but a lot of people in the Old Testament who have this certain kind of faith that we are called to imitate and look at and consider and let that rub off on us. It goes through characters in the Bible like Abel and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Joseph and Moses and Rahab. And it talks about all of these characters in the Old Testament who got their faith right. And these are just normal people like you and me, but they got their name written in the hall of faith. And then we are still reading about them thousands of years later. So... I don't know about you, but I want that kind of faith. I want to walk that kind of walk where people are reading about my life hundreds of years from now, and they're like, I want to walk in what Jackson Wilson had. I want to walk in the faith. I want to see the miracles that Jackson Wilson saw. How many of you guys want that? So we need to look at this kind of faith that they had. So I've got two simple points for us tonight, and then we're going to go in a small group and talk about this, and we're going to digest this together. But these are our faith goals You ever had had goals? You look at somebody and you're like, man, that's like couple goals right there. (laughs) Parent goals right there. I want to be like them. These are your faith goals, okay? This is the faith that we're called to imitate. The first part of our faith goal, the faith that we have to choose to start walking in, if we're going to imitate their faith, is this. Sacrifice. Write that down. Say, "Sacrifice." sacrifice. Sacrifice. If there is one common theme that we see in every single character listed in the hall of faith chapter, it's that at some point in their walk with God, they were required to give something up. They were required to lay something down. They were required to sacrifice something. One of, I think the most famous ones that's mentioned in the story of uh, Hebrews 11 is Abraham and Isaac. You guys familiar with Abraham and Isaac? If you're not, This is simply what happens. Uh, It's a wild story. Basically, God comes to Abraham and Sarah, and they're really stinking old, way too old to be having kids. But God comes to them and he's like, yo, I'm gonna bless your family. And they're like, what family? And he's like, don't worry about it. I'm gonna give you a kid. And they're like, God, do you know how old we are? But God is so good. He blesses them with a son named Isaac. And God is like, this is the son. I'm gonna bless the whole world through your family, I came through for you. But then God does something really mean. (laughs) He comes back a couple years later and he comes to Abraham and he's like, hey, can you give Isaac back? Actually, I need you to sacrifice your son Isaac for me. That is crazy. That's like, I was trying to picture about like a real, like today, what that would be like. That would be like, pretend it's your 16th birthday and you're broke, but you really want a car for your 16th birthday. So you're praying to God and you're like, God, would you just... I don't know how you're gonna do it, but you're a God of miracles. Would you bless me with a car for my birthday? And then on your birthday, somebody from the church calls you, and they're like, hey, just wanted to let you know the Lord put you on my heart, and we're gonna give you our car for free. Here are the keys. So you get this car, and it's, you love it. You name this car, you drive this car for years, and then like five years down the road, those same people come back to you, and they're like, hey, can we have the car back? How hard would that be? Now picture that's your kid. That is what happened. That's what just happened with Abraham. This story is wild. This story is so crazy. God is asking Abraham to sacrifice the very son that God gave him. But I love what it's, what, what, what's written in Hebrews chapter 11. Look at this. Hebrews 11 verse 17. It says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac... And he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son. He was getting ready to kill Isaac, of whom he said, "Though through Isaac, shall your offspring be named. But look at verse 19, this is so cool. This is how big Abraham's faith was. Abraham considered that God was able even to raise Isaac from the dead. That's how much faith Abraham had when he was about to kill Isaac. He was like, even if this happens, I know God is so powerful. He's going to raise my son back to life. That's some big faith. Look at what Dallas Willard says about faith. I love this. The discipline of sacrifice is one in which we forsake the security of meeting our needs with what is in our hands. It is total abandonment to God. A stepping into darkness, a dark abyss in faith, and hoping that God will bear us up. So New Song students. I'm here to tell you that this is the kind of faith that we are called to imitate. We're called to imitate a faith where we are required to sacrifice. It might feel like God is asking you at times to step out into a dark abyss, and you have no idea how God is going to keep you up. Sometimes God is going to ask you to sacrifice things like your pride, he might ask you to sacrifice your pride by saying, hey, you need to tell your parents what's going on in your life. You need to tell your best friend. You're, being a, you're not telling them who you really are. They have no idea what's going on in on your life. And I need you to sacrifice your pride in order. And, and you need to trust me that everything's gonna work out. Are you following me? God might be asking you to give up something that he gave you in the first place. You know, there's actually scripture in the Bible that tells us that we can bring a sacrifice of praise to God. You know what that means? That means you're in worship, and you don't feel anything. Anybody ever been there before? I've been there before. You're in worship, and it looks like everybody else in the room is experiencing the power of God but me. (laughs) I've been there before. But you know what we can do in that moment? Scripture says we can bring a sacrifice of praise, which means I'm going to praise, I'm going to sing, I'm going to worship, even when I feel nothing. This is the kind of faith we're called to imitate. But here's why we do it. Here's why we sacrifice stuff. It's not because God is some big jerk in the sky who doesn't want us to have things. (laughs) Like God is not not up in the sky just looking for something to take from you. No, no, no. When God asks us to sacrifice something, it's for a reason. It's because he wants us to see that he's actually a really good father who wants to provide for you. I love what Dallas Willard says right here. He says, but how nourishing to our faith are the tokens of God's care in response to our sacrifice. In other words, when we sacrifice, we actually, our faith is built when we sacrifice because we see God come through for us. Look at this next part. This is pretty raw. The cautious faith that never saws off the limb on which it's sitting, never learns that unattached limbs may find strange, unaccountable ways of not falling. In other words, what is that saying? When you never step out and sacrifice, when you never sacrifice something God calls you to sacrifice, you never experience a side of God's provision. There's a side of God where he is Jehovah Jireh, your provider, and if you live in a safe, cautious faith, you actually never experience that. You can get to heaven with safe, cautious faith, but you miss out on a, on a side of God where God says, no, I wanna take care of every single need you have. Yeah. Would you give yourself fully to me even if it means not having control? You following me? Yeah. Even if it means not having control. And I think here's a great way to ask if it's sacrifice or not. Write this down. It's probably not sacrifice if you feel like doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good gauge for us. If we feel like doing it, it's probably not sacrifice. But man, if God asks you to do something and you don't feel like doing it, man, that's gonna be hard, but how much more are we gonna see God come through for us through that obedience, right? As we get ready to close, I wanna invite the band to come up. The final thing that we need to see, and this is actually the more important thing. Sacrifice is important, but the more important thing that God wants from our faith is this, obedience. Write that down obedience. This is the second thing that we need to see, the faith that we need to imitate. And I think if we're not careful, we can actually think that sacrifice and obedience are the same thing, but they're not. Sacrifice and obedience are two totally different things. We can fall into this trap of thinking that, well, if I just do the thing that I don't want to do, or if I just do the harder thing, then that's the godly thing to do. But that's actually a really dangerous thing to do because we can end up sacrificing things that God never told us to sacrifice. And we can end up in places that God never sent us. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like this. Imagine if Haley, my wife Haley, she came to me and she's like, hey, Jackson, we've got some friends coming over tonight. Um, Could you please wipe down the counters and clean up the living room, okay? Because we're hosting people and I'm going to work and I don't have time to clean, so when I come back, I want our house to look presentable, right? You following me? And Haley says, can you just wipe down the counters and clean the living room? And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, I can do that. Don't worry about it. And so she goes to work, and imagine I'm getting ready to clean the countertops, but then I notice that our lawn is getting really long. And you know what, I'd rather mow because I'm a dude, and I like mowing, and it's actually a harder thing to do So I'm going to do that instead because, man, Haley's going to see how much I sacrificed for her. And she's going to be like, wow, thank you so much. I'm so thankful that you did that for me. So I mow the lawn, and I don't clean the counters. (laughs) I don't straighten up the living room. And then Haley comes home, and she comes home to a really pretty lawn, and her husband at the front door, and I'm like, look at this pretty lawn. I did this just for you. Look at this. I worked so hard. I sweat. I sacrificed for you. And Haley, she comes and she says, hey, I mean, the lawn looks great, but that's not what I asked you to do. I'm thankful that you would do that for me, but I actually asked you to straighten up our house and to clean the countertops. And now our friends are coming over and our house isn't ready. Now, I know that's kind of a silly illustration, but in the same way, you see, Abraham didn't just decide one day I'm going to give up my only son to prove to God how big my faith is. Like, Abraham didn't just decide to sacrifice his son to impress God with his faith. God wasn't like, dang, Abraham, really? You would do that for me? You would give up your only son for me? Wow, I am so impressed by your big faith. No, 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 no. God told Abraham to do that. Are you following me? Abraham didn't think about doing that. God asked that from Abraham. All of the people listed in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, they had great faith and it definitely required a sacrifice from them. But here's what's even greater than the sacrifice. The fact that they had a relationship with God that was so real and so intimate that they first heard God and then they obeyed through sacrifice. They first heard God and then they obeyed. What we really see happening is we see an amazing loving father who wants to have relationship with us. And when he asks something from us, it's not to shame us, it's not to make us feel bad. It's not even to put us in a hard spot. It's actually to get us to see a new side of him that we're not fully experiencing yet. And sure, that's gonna take some sacrifice. And sure, that's gonna take some obedience from our part. But what it's really going to take is you and i being in a intimate deep real relationship with god where we actually hear his voice this is the kind of faith the same kind of faith that we're called to have and when we when we step into this same kind of faith what we get to see is we get to see the same god who came through and provided for abraham the same god who came through and provided for Moses, who provided for Jesus, the same God who did all of these things in the in the scriptures is the same God who, when he asks something from us and we step out in faith and we sacrifice, even when it feels so wrong, we see that same God be Jehovah Jireh for you and me. But it starts with us first hearing. It starts with us first walking closely with him. And so students, I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes tonight so we can...